1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
2: Believe.
0: (laughs) Well, if you're still floating on cloud nine after Stanford's win over number three, Oregon, from last week, hey, you might want to snap out of it because the card got a game on Friday. And it's probably Stanford's biggest test yet and that's what we're discussing on this week's edition of the tree cast with troy clarity on the believe podcast network it's great to have you with us wednesday october the 6th 2021 a short week and with that a quick turnaround and we are right back at it on the Treecast. so glad that you are here with us a couple of special guests to help us uh, get ready for stanford's friday night affair with the arizona state sun devils down in tempe that's a 7 30 p.m kickoff uh down in the, the phoenix in the valley of the sun and we're going to chat about it with stanford left tackle walter rouse i always enjoy talking with that young man i, I kind of call him the mayor of stanford football practice every after every, every, every practice is done He's out there uh, playing with uh, the coach's kids and talking to everyone and having a good time. And, oh, by the way, a uh, pretty good uh, left tackle as has been borne out the last couple of years uh, for Stanford as well. That being said, mixed results, I think, overall for the Stanford offensive line. We'll cover that with him and plus everything that's on the O-line's plate as they try to uh, keep the Sun Devils' defense in check. We'll also catch up with Stuart Mandell. You longtime college football followers know very well whom he is. If you don't, well, he's the editor-in-chief of The Athletics, uh, college football coverage, and also co-hosts The Audible podcast uh, with Bruce Feldman, another uh, good dude. So, Stuart Mandel, looking forward to getting his thoughts. He was actually in the building when Stanford uh, beat Oregon last week. I'm looking forward to getting his thoughts on what he saw uh, last Saturday. And uh, what this could all mean going forward for the Cardinal. For the Ducks, for the Pac-12, and what we can look at in the weeks ahead. So Walter Rouse, Stuart Mandel, and you. Joining me, Troy Clarity. 29th year of following, covering, and at times broadcasting Stanford football. Eighth year currently of Pac-12 network play-by-play across eight different sports. That's a lot at Troy Clarity on Twitter. The last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. I always appreciate the follow. Even more than that, I appreciate you subscribing to the TreeCast, which has been on the Believe Podcast Network since spring of 2020 and bringing you Stanford football coverage like no one else can in the podcast space overall since 2015. So subscribe to the show via your favorite listening app and even better, rate it and review it. And react to it on your friendly neighborhood message board and tell folks, uh, tell other Stanford fans uh, about the show. We certainly appreciate uh, what we've seen numbers-wise so far this fall. Word of mouth has been very good. And hopefully the content has uh, been there to match as well. So subscribe, rate, review, download, listen, and enjoy. Pretty simple process there, no? Well, when we last saw Stanford football, they were celebrating a big, dramatic win over number 3 Oregon. But as cool and as surreal and as potentially impactful as that win was, Cardinal head coach David Shaw had a reminder for his team
1: right after it was over. I was waiting outside, first of all, for everybody to get back in the locker room, post-game interviews and families and too many people on the field, et cetera. But I told him, hey, when I was standing outside waiting for guys to come in, I didn't see anybody bringing a trophy. Like, there's no trophy for beating Oregon. If you win big games, the games get bigger, right? So the Oregon game is not the end-all, be-all. You beat Oregon, that's okay, that's great. Now the Arizona State game is bigger, right? So the 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 hope is that you want to play in big games. If you win big games, then you get even bigger games, as opposed to peaking, you know, game five of a season. Yep, Cardinal have already turned the page to Tempe,
0: and we will as well with three things you need to know as Stanford gets ready for Arizona State. But first, this reminder that all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source. For everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use their promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Three things you need to know as Stanford gets ready to hop on the plane on the short week and head down to face the Arizona State Sun Devils. And let's begin with number one. And after that brutally physical game against Oregon, I was worried that half of David Shaw's weekly media Zoom on Tuesday was going to be taken up by the injury report. Well, fortunately, it wasn't that long Right guard Branson Bragg will likely be back after missing the game against the Ducks. Uh, running back E.J. Smith still out. Uh, cornerbacks uh, Ethan Manley and or Ethan Bonner Check that. and Zaron Manley still not on the depth chart. But another crucial name popped up on this week's list. Kicker Josh Cardi. I asked Shaw what the table,
1: table is for Cardi's return and whom the candidates for the gig are this week. Yeah, I don't really have a timetable. Hopefully it's just it's just a week. Um, We'll know more um, early next week. Um, As far as the candidates, um, I'd imagine there's going to be a line when we go out there. Um, You know, Emmett Kenny is a freshman, a very talented freshman, uh, may have an opportunity. Brian Sanborn has stepped up and did that for us uh, a year ago and did triple duty for us, punting, kickoffs, and field goals. Um, We have multiple guys on campus that'll do it. Um, Surprised I haven't heard from Justin Reed uh who would love to come back in another life as a kicker and uh and do be a kickoff specialist or be a field goal man um but like i said we've, we've repped multiple guys throughout the year uh, coach Almer does a great job with those guys um so we'll see how the week goes and we'll see who we tried out there for kickoffs and who we tried out there for field goals
0: as david shaw on cardi who is out this week with an unspecified uh reason uh kenny a freshman from fargo north dakota And don't forget, Ryan Sanborn was Stanford's emergency kicker in 2019. That was after Jet Toner got hurt. And Sanborn ended up going 7-for-9 in field goals with a long of 48 and had 14 touchbacks on 27 kickoffs. So there is that. Uh, I kind of like the the shout-out to Justin Reed, by the way. All right, let's move on to number two. And wide receiver Bryson Tremaine is also out with his gruesome leg injury that he suffered against Oregon, and that's that's probably a long-term injury for, for the young man who had entered last week as Stanford's leading receiver. Cardinal wide receiver John Humphreys caught the game winner against the Ducks, and he tells about the task ahead for Stanford's wide receiver. Group.
1: Bryson Tremaine is um, incredible. Like, he's, we're going to miss him uh, for sure. Um, and our team's a lot better when he's out there. So, but, you know, guys are going to have to step up. Uh, we got, we got the guys to do it. Obviously, Elijah, Bryce Farrell, um, Silas Starr, Colby Bowman, uh, younger, younger guys like Jason Raines. Um So we, you know, we have a lot of talent in that room um, and yeah, so we're, we're ready to step up for the challenge.
0: That's Humphreys. And yeah, there's a lot of talent in that wide receiver room. And that also includes one guy that Humphreys did not mention. Michael Wilson, the senior with 89 catches and 7 touchdowns in his career, but he hasn't played yet this season with an unspecified injury. At the start of the year, David Shaw said that Wilson was looking at a mid-season return. Well, it's October now, so on Tuesday, I asked Shaw
1: for an update on Wilson. You know, fingers crossed. The hope, um, the hope is that he can start practicing uh, maybe this week, maybe next week. We'll see. Um, we got a few more doctor appointments to check in, in on and um, you know, I think once he starts practicing, my guess is about a week and a half, uh, Mike would probably say once he starts practicing, he'll need about 24 hours before he plays. Uh, but we'd like for him to get into practice and uh, and work through, you know, things. But he's running along the side. He's conditioning. He's sprinting. He's cutting. Um, he looks great. Um, but we need that final clearance before he gets into practice. And then my guess is at least a week of practice before he can he can get out there and play. So, Um, The good thing is we're we're getting close.
0: All right. So based on all that, and I cannot confirm whether Michael Wilson uh, practiced on either Tuesday or Wednesday. I was at Tuesday's practice. And a reminder that the media is not allowed to observe any part of uh, Stanford football's practice. So I can't confirm that. So it looks to me like most likely after the bye week when the Huskies come to town which ironically is who he got injured against last year is when we'll see Michael Wilson perhaps next on the football field. Let's wrap this up with number three. three. And this is arguably the toughest week on Stanford's schedule, and we knew it would be like this when the slate came out back in the spring. Playing at Arizona State just six days after facing Oregon with a plane ride before the game, that's not ideal. Shaw took us through the process that his team is going through in this short week. Uh,
1: Sunday and Monday was an absolute complete fire drill. Um, you know, there's a there's another phrase I could use, but that's a says a bad word in it. Um, it. It's hard, right, to do two days of work in one day. Um, you know, thankfully, you know, you, you look look a little advanced at your opponent, you know, week, two weeks out, just so this is not as stark. Um, but between Saturday night and, and Sunday, uh, to try to get a game plan done um, in all three phases, um, it's difficult. Um, still getting some guys back, um, still taking some reps off of some guys just, just physically. Um, for them to be able to get back by Friday, um, we have to be smart. So yeah, a bit of a fire drill for the coaches, the trainers, um, some of our guys, some more guys that are a little banged up, that wanted to practice, we kind of have to pull them back a little bit, um, you know. But it's all about getting ready for Friday. Yep, and everyone in the
0: program will certainly need to be ready against a physical opponent in their house. Those are three things. We're going to chat with Walter Rouse, the Stanford left tackle, coming up in just a moment or so, and after that. Uh, Stan, uh, editor-in-chief of the Athletics College Football Coverage, Stuart Mandel. So two great chats I'm looking forward to bringing to you here in just a couple minutes. But very very quickly, I, I want to first bring up something back from, from Saturday's game. Um, Stanford scores with no time on the clock at the end of regulation to make it 24-23 Oregon. And I automatically knew Shaw was going to kick the extra point and go for overtime instead. uh, instead of trying for, for two and the win, even though the Cardinal clearly had all the momentum at that exact point in time. And I remember talking about this exact scenario with Shaw five years ago. And here's what he told me about this quote, direct quote from David Shaw. I love going into overtime. I love our defensive philosophy and the way we play in the red zone. And I love our offensive philosophy and the way we play in the red zone. So for me, I'll typically say, let's take it to overtime end of quote, from David Shaw. That was in September of 2016. Now, this year, we've seen Shaw and Stanford gamble a bit more on fourth downs, especially near the goal line. Even so, I asked Shaw if his thought process on OT versus the outright win in regulation was the same last Saturday as it was five years ago and how much time he spent deciding between tying it and going
1: for two against the Ducks didn't even hesitate. Are you kidding me? Um, the the uh, the way our with our runners that we have, the way we're playing on the offensive line, with the receivers and tight ends and quarterback that we have, yeah, let's take this thing into overtime. Um, we we feel great about our our people. And uh, once again, I didn't even think about it. And someone said something a little bit later, and I was just what? No, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Um, and some of you know me, uh, I I am. I am unfettered by opinions from the outside because um, those opinions don't follow me to the press conference after the game. Um, my job is to, is to put my players in a position to, to win games. Um, and uh, I, I always have John Gruden's head, you know, my, my, my biggest mentor, and uh, John Gruden's voice in the back of my head. And he would always say, don't try to win the game as a play caller right and that has to do with pride that has to do with with fans and all that stuff you know put the guys in position to win the game it still has to be about the players um not about looking like a guru not about following some edict um no it's whatever's best for the guys and the way our team is built you know I'm, i love overtime i'm excited about overtime i love the college overtime i think it's fair to both teams and um, you know, if we, if we have the opportunity to kick field goal and go in overtime, we're going to do it That's David Shaw. And yeah, for, for what it's worth, Shaw is five and two as the Cardinal head
0: coach in overtime. So there is that, but I just wanted to, to, to put that out there just so we're all on the same page on what's likely to happen the next time Stanford has a choice to go to overtime or win it outright in regulation. So I just wanted to bring that back, uh, for a, a brief moment or so. Let's get to the first of our special guests on this episode of the TreeCast. He's one of my favorite uh, young men to talk to on the uh, Stanford football squad. And ironically enough, uh, the very first episode of the TreeCast that was on the Believe Podcast Network in early March of 2020, Walter Rouse, Stanford's left tackle, was our special guest for that one. And we posted that on March 9th, 2020, <laughs> and then on March 12th, 2020, um, everything went down the drain. So obviously a lot of things have happened uh, between now and then. I caught up with Walter Rouse after uh, Tuesday's practice, the junior left tackle from Silver Spring, Maryland. And and the first thing we talked about was, was just Saturday. I mean, the game, uh, the result— the celebration, Rouse himself was helping to lead the cheers uh, on the field afterwards after the students uh, made their way and stormed the field. So to start our chat, I asked Walter to take us through that day as he remembered
2: it. I think so the big theme for Saturday and leading up to that week, you know, going in to play number three team in the country and, you know, Stanford being unranked. was just believe everyone else outside of our team didn't think we were going to be able to do it. So, you know, easy win for Oregon. Um, but, you know, each day in practice, we worked our behinds off. Um, we just had faith and belief in each other. And from the first play of the game, you know, after, like, we, we were you know, saying to each other, w- we got this. This team is, is, is not, not better than us. If we play our game, our standard football, then we have this game in the bag. And we did that in the first half. And I will say that we didn't finish as strong as we would, like to, would have liked to, but we didn't give up. We believed that we could, you know, finish the game, you know, going overtime, uh, you know, and we knew that the defense would get stops for us and we would get our touchdown. So we just, you know, again going back to our big thing, just believe. And then being on the sideline, watching that fourth and eight, and going that pass incomplete, it, it, for a moment I was, I was, you know, I stopped because you know I just I wanted to make sure the refs didn't call anything back or anything. <laughs> and I was just like, we won, like, like we, like we really did it, and. I'm running on the field and you know, I I threw my helmet up, hopefully it didn't hit anybody. <laughs> Had to go find it later. Uh but it was just a surreal moment, something I, I will never forget. And it uh likens it to uh the U C L A game of last year. Mm-hmm. But this time it just it's so much better with people the fans, the fam, uh, fr- uh, family and friends, it just made it so much better. Um, and you know, I was just you know riding that high from Saturday and even on Sunday. Um, but you know, you know, as I am here today talking to you, you know, we won and that is great, but we have a task, we're, we're, we, we believe, I believe that we should be ranked, but we're not. Oregon only fell five spots to number eight. I feel like they should have dropped a little bit more. So I feel like there's still a little bit of some disrespect Toward Stanford football, and we're gonna have to prove that wrong this, this Friday.
0: Yeah, you know, because I was looking at this earlier this afternoon. Stanford has beaten USC and Oregon in the same season now yes, five times since 2009. Nobody else has done that more than once since 2002. Wow. Washington State did it in 2017, Utah did it in 2018, but Stanford's done it five times since 2009, yet. Yeah, if you want to be surprised by the result, fine
2: against Oregon and against USC as well. But folks are still seemingly, genuinely shocked by it all. What do you, what do you make, what do you yeah. make of it? It's I just I think people still think we're still that, that almost that four and eighteen from that my freshman year. And you know if we had like and, you know we, you know we did lose to K State and it was you know bad a bad loss to start the season off and so like oh. It's the team that beat that lost to K State. It's a fluke that, that, that we that we beat USC. Oh, it was a fluke that you know we beat Oregon. Oh, the referees were on their side or anything, something like that. So we have to, you know, continue to get, uh, prove people wrong. So if you're, you know, if we beat USC and Oregon and you still don't believe it, then fine, we're going to be Arizona State and any other team that's going to be ranked or unranked, and we're just going to, you know, play our best football, play Stanford football. That's all we can do. Big test, of course, coming up against that's the serious. Sun Devils and uh, run blocking.
0: Really has a market market improvement, especially between the UCLA and the Oregon results. What sort of uh, points of improvement uh, did the offensive line take, in speci- particularly in run blocking between those two games?
2: Yeah, our, we didn't have our best game against UCLA, especially with the run. You know, we had to resort to pass most of the time. Um, and you know, really just you know talking with our coaches and team meeting and you know in our O line position uh, position meetings. Um, we just had to take a step back and, you know, really pinpoint that, uh, what, what we were doing wrong, what we needed to do better with, like whether it was with the snap count, um, with the small things with our, our inside foot getting up or getting our hands in uh, in place. And I think we did a really good job of that last week and just going in uh, every single play versus our scout team which by the way is great and giving great looks for us I'm um, really prepared us for Oregon um, and then just you know going asking as many questions as we can um, coach really just like if you have questions to ask I don't care you know if it's you know um, you know how you know silly or maybe like you know you my, I, you should already answer this just you know ask it. always make sure you're sure um, and so doing that and you know just also, another thing I would say is that our own line is, you know, we have some new guys, and it's been all different with, you know, Drew and Foster and those guys leaving last year. But we really, you know, oh, like we're a family. We're a brotherhood. I believe that we're one of the most um, connected uh, groups on, on the team, and I think that really showed last week and going, in, um, going into that Oregon game. What was up with the disconcerting signals and that whole subplot on, on Saturday? Yeah, that's uh, something that – that um, we've been working and um, we're going to that will be fixed. You know, you know, going into the the, the rest of the season, um, and it's you know something that we didn't think it was gonna happen but it happened and you know we had to had to live with it and just keep playing through it and I just said a testament to the will of Stanford football and how we we're able to like not get bogged down by okay we had not final drive, I think we had, like man it was two false starts and we're like okay there's no way we can get there. Um, but just keep just keep believing and you know just something just gotta go back in the film, just keep working at it. Just repetitive, repetitive, repetitive.
0: The last time you and I talked on this field it was early March of twenty twenty. It mm-hmm. ended up being the final practice of, yeah. of, of that whole spring session. Um, a few things have happened since then. As, as best you can, just kind of take me through the last year and a half for you, and just just how everything has gone, both on and off the field during that time.
2: Yeah, it's it was it's been really a roller coaster from the moment March of uh, 2020. When oh we're just we thought we were just going home for a couple weeks and then oh we'll be back and then a couple weeks turned into a month a month two months two months three months and then you know school was online uh, and then you know really I'll say that that month of March felt that was the longest marth, uh, month longest month I've ever had in my entire life it felt like <laughs> at least a whole year in that in that in that um, the month of March. Uh, but you know, going home, really just getting adjusted to the life of COVID with COVID and being in quarantine and just, you know, getting up every day, going to school, working out, doing as much as I can on my own. Um, and then when we finally got to come back, you know, that was different as well. You know, uh, I was taking summer classes, that's online, food, grab and go, no more talking with your friends and whatnot. And we were at the hotel. So that's another thing that was different. And I will say the beds were nice. <laughs> the beds were nice to be- <laughs> uh, and then, you know, then the uncertainty of the season, you know, first, Okay, here's the schedule of season, no season. But now season's coming back. So it's just, and, you know, just all of a sudden, oh, we got practice next week, it's time to go. Um, and I think, you know, we didn't start off, uh, we didn't start off fast last year with the, the going on too. Um, but I really thought uh, we were doing whatever it took to win those games and, you know, being on the road for five out of the four, um, for four weeks we were, we were in, a, out of the four weeks we were in like five hotels. It was go- it was crazy how much we were traveling and just like and it just it really just you know it could have got to a lot of people, uh, but we just we stayed we stayed in it and pushed through. Um, we Won our last four games, even some of them were down to the wire, but we just kept pushing through. And I couldn't be prouder of you know Stanford football and that team. And then you know coming in uh, lat- or um, in January, you know, my injury and you know just working with working through that and whatnot, and you know finally getting back to where I am right now, it's been one, it's, a, it's been a whole other journey in itself. Um, you know, not being able to, you know, you know we you know, lost our coach, you know, Coach Carberry with the Rams, and we got a new, new coach, Coach Heff, um, and, I, and I wasn't even, he couldn't even coach me in spring ball, had to sit back and watch. Um, so it's been amazing that, um, you know, he's been able to coach us, and we've gotten to know him, he's gotten to know us. Um, you know, we're here right now, you know, going into week five of the season, um, and I couldn't be prouder. Uh, we're proud of you know where the O line is and where we are right now. But saying that, there's, 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 I'm not saying we're, we've hit the limit. There's, we can go so much more. Uh, we haven't even played our best football yet, and that's the thing that excites me.
0: A couple last questions for Walter Rouse, the Stanford left tackle here on the Tree Cast. Uh, how do you take care of your body during the course of a week, mm-hmm. and how does that maybe alter itself? Because this is a short week, and you're coming off of a of a, just a super physical game uh, played against Oregon last week.
2: Yeah, uh, in a normal normal week, I'd say you know the coaches already do a great and strength staff. Do a great job on nutritionists Do a great job of you know making sure our bodies are healthy and you know you know up up to you know standard when we're going out into the field and whatnot. But you know usually after a game, you know you wake up the next morning you really sore. We have a pool workout that we do, which I think is amazing. Really gets you know really softens the muscles and soft tissue, and you know really just gets your body going. And I think that's a great thing we do every Sunday. And then you're coming in, we you know we have practice. You know we're usually just in shock pads, so we're not really hitting that much. Where I think it's just you know great to body can you know you know one step you know until you know just getting back to what are usually uh uh our bodies usually where they use excuse me where they're usually at and then, you have know, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, which are work days and, you know, we're going hard. But, you know, just the, the nutritionist, you know, like, make sure you get your protein, your carbohydrates, um, you know, and anything you need to make sure your body can replenish itself for the next day. So you'd be at that 100 percent, not 80, not 90, 100 um, percent. And I think Coach Zorn has done a great job with that. And then the list that we have on Monday um, and Wednesday, uh, you know, are really great for, you know, even like getting stronger is you know we're not you know we're not lifting up. we are in the off season but still getting stronger but keeping our mobility going as well and then for a week like this you know monday i was really feeling it cuz usually we're not you know we're not in pads on on, on monday or really going at it on monday um, but i was still i was really feeling it i thought you know the coaches did a great job of taking care of us um you know and you know having like good short bursts, like for team and, and indie, but not just going all out. And I think we, did another uh, great job for today. My body feels great, and you know we got a walk through tomorrow. Then we travel on Thursday, play a game on Friday. I couldn't be more excited for it. Yeah, it
0: should be a lot of fun. And let's wrap it up with this: your thoughts on Arizona State, especially uh, defensively. Man, they're big, they're quick, they're physical, and they can certainly get after it. Uh, the tasks ahead for the Stanford offense and the o line against the Arizona State defense.
2: Yeah, Arizona State's defense is uh, one of the best in the Pac-12. Um, I think they have one of the I think that one of the top defenses in the Pac-12, um, and their O line I mean, excuse me their D line is very experienced. I think their youngest guy might be a, a junior, a redshirt junior. So you know, a lot of experience comes with with that line, and you know, uh, it's going to be a you know a task to go up against them. But I couldn't be more excited, and you know the. The scouting report that, you know, we've done ourselves and what the coaches have given us, I think will prepare us well for the task that we have. Um, you know, I just can't wait to you know, just have some good match-ups and you know, just you know, play our best football. And if we do that, then I don't think anyone can stop us.
0: Big test ahead on Friday. Can't wait to see if the Cardinals are able to pass it and get back on the plane as they have so many times over the past year and head back to the Bay victorious. Walter, thanks a bunch. Always appreciate the time and the insight. Best of luck, best of health. We'll talk again soon. Thank you very much. Have a good day. He's the mayor of practice, <laughs> playing with all the all the coaches, kids that uh, drop by at practice and talking to everyone and just, and just in general having a good time. But he is all business for the most part uh, whenever he's on the field. Our thanks again to Walter Rouse for joining us. And I remember, you know, the 2019 season, you know, when, when Walker Little uh, was knocked out of that season opener against Northwestern and we're all looking around and going, OK, all right, who's who's next up? Who's the next man up? Oh, it's Walter Rouse. He's a true freshman and he hasn't even been inside a classroom at Stanford yet, but he played pretty well that season, that freshman season in 2019. That was just completely and totally in flux, especially on the offensive line and and, and just a, just a very tough and difficult year. Uh, for the offensive line and for the Stanford program in general in 2019, but but Rouse held up very well, played very well, so it was good to. It's been neat to see him develop uh, over the course of the last couple of years. Um, I, I still think it's been a bit of a struggle uh, for the offensive line in total, especially in run blocking. Looking forward to seeing uh, seeing that get better. And I've been critical of the offensive line as as you know the past few weeks on, on this show. But I am glad to see the run blocking improve as it did between UCLA and Oregon. So is Walter. And so is Tanner McKee. And so is David Shaw. And I'm sure you're pretty thrilled about that, too. And I hope it all continues, especially against an Arizona State team that is very, very difficult to handle. Also, intriguing thoughts from Walter Rouse on the whole respect thing about, uh, hey, we beat the number three team in the country and they only followed the number eight and we're not ranked? What's up with that? (laughs) Walter not holding back his thoughts in that department, certainly. Well, I couldn't have been the only one who was walking out of Stanford Stadium on Saturday afternoon, just still kind of scratching their head and trying to figure out and process what in the heck exactly they just saw. I was that way. I'm, sh- I'm wondering if our special guest was also that way as well. Let's ask him, one of the preeminent folks covering college football, no matter the medium. In fact, he's the editor-in-chief of the Athletics College Football Coverage, which is absolutely fantastic and well worth the dough. He's a Bay Area guy, too. All sorts of box that Stuart Mandel is checking as he joins us here on the TreeCast. Stuart, thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time as always. How are you doing today?
3: Great, Troy. Thank you. That's a very, very kind introduction.
0: Well, you know, you're you're a very distinguished person. You know, we got to we got to you know we, we got to give the uh, the appropriate introduction uh, for for someone with your resume. And as mentioned, you were in the building. You were at Stanford Stadium. You were in the press box uh, on Saturday afternoon, and you saw the Cardinal. Somehow find a way to knock off number three Oregon in overtime. What were your big takeaways as, as you were walking out of the place on Saturday afternoon and trying to process all the things that, yeah. that you had spent the afternoon seeing?
3: Well, while I did spend most of the game in the press box, I went down to the field with about three and a half minutes left, and that's when all the action happened. So I <laughs> I was literally standing in the corner where, if you if you watch the replay on TV, you see me right there. Uh, when Elijah Higgins catches the touchdown on the last on time play, one of the reasons I wanted to go to that game was that I, it had kind of an upset alert feeling to me, Oregon had not been playing well the last couple of weeks going into that game. And while Stanford obviously was coming off a loss, uh, Tanner McKee had been emerging even before this game to me as one of the better quarterbacks, uh, in the pac 12. So I wouldn't necessarily have, have predicted it would play out exactly that way. Um, I would have thought it would. If Stanford, you told me Stanford was going to win, I would have thought it was a high scoring game. Not not what we saw. But um, you know, that's this is kind of life in the Pac-12. Like Oregon may turn around and, and go on still to have a great season. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the moment, everybody kind of freaks out and feel, oh, they must be falling apart. Uh, no, they went on the road and they lost in overtime to a conference opponent. Which Stanford performance so far this year, as you look at the the, the
0: resume for the Cardinal so far this season, lackluster loss, uh, they've, 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 they've had some moments of of excellence as David Shaw has said, but they've also had moments of the opposite of excellence as Shaw has also said as well, which of Stanford's performances so far this year strikes you as perhaps being closest to the truth of what this team is all about.
3: Oh, that's a good question. Um, uh, I would say somewhere between the uh, UCLA and the, and the uh, Oregon games. Uh, I don't know that everything's going to necessarily come together the way it did last week all the time. Um, and they have a lot of vulnerabilities, and you saw that in the UCLA game. Um, so, but I think I do still think, even after the loss to ASU, that UCLA is one of the better teams they'll play. So, you know, I think they have a chance to, it wouldn't surprise me if the end of the year, if Oregon's in the playoff mix and they're looking at the resume and going, oh, well, that wasn't such a bad loss. Stanford is seven and five or something like that. But certainly coming off Kansas State and even UCLA, it looked more dire than that uh, to a lot of people.
0: Yeah, cer- certainly did. But uh, Tanner McKee emerging as the starter after uh, week one and really. Uh, Taking the reins of that position. And you you may have just hit it out of here a few moments ago or so, but definitely get your deeper dive into this. Uh, Obviously it's a small sample size relative to the other guys that might potentially be in this mix as well. But, but how close is Tanner McKee right now to being the top quarterback in the pac 12 as we had, as we had in October.
3: He might already be there. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, I I wouldn't necessarily, you know, uh, say that definitively, Um, Dorian Thompson Robinson is very good. Jane Daniels is very good. Um, I think all these guys are like, none of these guys are, uh, you know, Mac Jones last year or, or, you know, name, name your, they're, they have their good moments and they have their bad moments. And, but, but the difference is, you know, this is his first year starting. He's five games into it and, and we're already seeing a lot of good. So how does Tanner McKee grow over the rest of this season and into next year? you know, I think he has a chance to be special. Yeah, so far, so good uh, for that young man and a big test, of course,
0: this week on the short week coming up against Arizona State. Uh, wh- where could Oregon go from here? I-, I would imagine that in a lot of ways, you know, if this, if, if Oregon was going to lose, losing the first week in October is certainly a lot more preferable to lose and say uh, anytime in, in November, still a lot of ball left to be played. But Still a lot of directions that Oregon might be able to go from here as well. How, how do you see things perhaps yeah. taking out
3: for the Ducks going forward? Well, I think Oregon is still the the most talented team in the Pac-12. And um, if you're asking me today who's going to win the Pac-12, I would still say Oregon. The question is, can they can they run the table? Can they make the play? Because they could, they could lose another game and still win the Pac-12, but they're not going to go to the playoff. And the issue that's really piling up for Oregon is injuries. Um, you know, CJ Verdell went down in that game. That's a huge loss for them. Uh, they were already without Justin Flo. They were already, uh, you know, they went into that game Saturday without their starting center and then one of their best DBs. And Joe Moorhead, uh, you know, the OC uh, had surgery this week. So um, to me, it's like how much more of that can they withstand? Uh, if it gets much worse, it's hard to see them running the table. Um, but most teams they play in this conference, don't have the four and five stars that they do and uh, don't have a cave on Thibodeau uh, who, if he doesn't get ejected for targeting, frankly, I don't know if Stanford drives down the field and, and wins the game. So, um, you know, I think they end up having a really good season. Uh, but there's this expectation now with Oregon, especially after they beat Ohio state and after all these great recruiting classes, Chris 12 signed, that they need to be the pac 12 playoff team. They need to end this drought and it's, it's going to be really hard to run the table from here. Yeah. Yeah. And it should be very intriguing to see what the Ducks do from here. And it kind of kind of brings up something. I
0: talked with this with uh, I talked about this with uh, Stanford left tackle Walter Rouse uh, er, er, earlier on the show. I, I want to kind of like you to get, get, get your thoughts here on this as well. Uh, since 2009, Stanford has beaten USC and Oregon in the same season five times now. Only 2017 Washington state and 2018 Utah are the only other teams that can claim the, the, the same thing uh, during that time frame. yet. And still, you know, folks seemed legitimately shocked that Stanford beat USC shocked that Stanford beat Oregon surprise. Yes. Sure. Given how those games respectively went, but, but actual legitimate shock when these are things that have kind of been happening, it seems almost more often than not. What, what, what do you make of, what do you, what do you make of that?
3: it's what's it's because of what's happened the last few years i mean stanford david shaw and stanford had gotten to a point where everybody expected you know they were a top 10 team they were going to rose bowls so beating an oregon or usc wasn't necessarily shocking but they've been down the last few years you know they they had that four and eight season people barely saw them play last year and then they start out with that kansas state loss the way it happened to go from that to clobbering USC the next week. Yeah, that was pretty shocking. Got the coach fired for one thing. <laughs> um, I would be su- if people were actually shocked about them beating. I mean, it was a surprise, it was an upset. Oregon was number three team in the country, but it was, you know, I think an eight-point spread going in. It wasn't, it wasn't uh and there was enough respect there. But you know, this that's why this win was so important for him and for Shaw on that program because People have stopped looking at them in the way they looked at them in 2013, 2014, near around that era. Um, they've were kind; of, they become a little bit of an afterthought. Look, they don't get a lot of coverage uh, unless they are having like, unless Andrew Luck's there or Christian McCaffrey's there and whatnot. So I just think people have forgotten about them around, around the rest of the country. And this was kind of a, a statement that, hey, we're still here uh, and we can still hang with the best teams in the conference.
0: That being said, arguably Stanford's biggest test, maybe of the season, coming up uh, this weekend against Arizona State, super physical club, short week, uh, on a, on the road, all sorts of things that uh, uh, that, that that Stanford's going to have to potentially overcome this Friday against the Arizona State Sun Devils, who. Are playing pretty well, and maybe arguably might be the best, uh, playing the best of any team in in the Pac-12 to this point, even despite some potential troubles that they might be facing uh, down the road. What do you make of what Arizona State has done so far this
3: season? Well, last week was huge. Uh, Everybody was really disappointed in them after the BYU loss, after only scoring seventeen points in that game. So for them to go out and take it to UCLA the way they did um, was really impressive. You know, for Stanford. It's going to be much the same challenge as Oregon, maybe even more so, in that the defense. Stanford still has all the same questions on defense. You know, the other day they gave up a lot of rushing yards to Oregon, but they kept them out of the end zone. You know, the the fourth fourth down stop at the one yard line, um, interception. So they got big plays when they needed them, and that and they held them to because of that. They held the score down, um, but they the run defense is still very shaky. Pass rush is still not where you would want it to be. And so Arizona state can exploit that. Um, they have a good running game. They have this, this breakout receiver now, Pearsall. Um, you know, can the Stanford defense withstand that for 60 minutes. And, and meanwhile, big tests coming up ahead for
0: Arizona state, besides this one this week uh, at Utah next week, that's never easy. And they really drew the short straw. For road trips in November, it seems uh, at Washington, who knows what the Huskies are going to look like? But that's still a very difficult road trip, and at Oregon State as well. Arizona State's future—what what could what could potentially be that? What could that potentially be looking? Yeah, like well, I think
3: that last week's result, the UCLA ASU result, means that the Pac-12 South is going to be a dogfight, and nobody's going to get out of that thing. You know, I mean, both UCLA, you know, UCLA. Like nobody's going to get out of that unscathed, and ASU may still win the division, and UCLA may still win the division. Obviously, that's a that tiebreaker you don't want to have. I have no idea what to expect from Utah, uh, having gone through this this terrible tragedy. Sure, you know, as you know, I mean, it's kind of a cliche, but it's true. You it can go either way, right? It can bring them together, or it can just, you know, completely, um, um, you know, cause cause a lost season. And I don't know, but you know, they they have their quarterback now um you know just a complete switch from charlie brewer to cam rising and charlie brewer's already left so i wouldn't i wouldn't count them out either i don't know that um i don't know that the other three will be in the mix uh, although usc will certainly always have the ability to, to play spoiler in any given week um so yeah it'll be tough I, you know that to me is a, is a pretty wide open one couple last questions for Stuart Mandel, the editor-in-chief
0: of the Athletics uh, College Football Coverage. Uh, overall, grand scheme of
3: things, what are you going to be keeping a special eye on in the Pac-12 going forward? I think you've got we've got a potentially great story uh, in the Pac-12 with Oregon State. Uh, it's been so long since they've had any success there. And what uh, Jonathan Smith took over, from what he took over to where they are now, you know, if they can string together a few more wins, uh it's gonna be a great story in the Pac 12 and nationally. And i've uh, been really impressed with their rushing attack. Um, you know, uh, Jamar Jefferson was was such a dynamic playmaker, you would think losing him would have had a bigger effect, but they found the next guy and and they keep going. Um, wouldn't it be something if they could be in the hunt, you know, with Oregon, with their arch rival towards the end of the season? That would be something I don't know yet. I think uh you know we're only a couple games in to league play for them, but I mean that's that's definitely uh, a one to keep an eye on. Them. And then you know I think the dominant storyline though will be can Oregon still make the playoff because that's really their last hope. And uh, you know I guess ASU could could theoretically get in the mix if they run the table, but they don't have what Oregon has that they don't is a win at Ohio State. Yep. And and it's because of that that I don't think Saturday eliminated them in any me- by any means. And uh, you know. If they if they if they lose the next time oregon loses if they lose you know the story's gonna be the pack 12 misses the playoff again and and not only misses it is eliminated in october or whatever and that's that's the narrative that that, that they've been trying to fight against for years now all right as we wrap this up and maybe along the lines of uh, what's
0: happening uh, up at uh, oregon state uh, sh- should I start thinking about maybe making that road trip, Stanford at uh, Oregon State and Corvallis, November the 13th? Uh, how big could that game potentially be uh, in-, in settling things in the North?
3: I mean, it could it could be huge. I mean, uh, but I think it kind of depends on, on how Stanford plays between now and then. I mean, are they going to build off the momentum of, of what happened this past Saturday? Or, I mean, me personally, I could see it being – Based on what we've seen through five games, I think Stanford is going to be a team that has high highs and low lows, and probably unrealistic because of the the, the issues on defense. Also, they just lost Bryson for That was that was a huge loss. Um, sure. You have other good receivers, but that was a big one. Uh, it's going to be hard. Uh, you know, just I, I have a hard time seeing them just going on a streak from here. But if Oregon loses again, um, you know, and you have that tiebreaker already over them. Yeah, it, it you know, and Oregon State's in there as well. It becomes, uh, you know, that could be end up being a game with uh, division title implications. Hmm. So I'll, I'll I'll keep the the Alaska Airlines flight tracker on yeah. uh, on, on speed dial and anyway. nothing else. You go to Portland, you know, you you everybody enjoys a good trip. to Portland, great restaurants, and then you drive to Corvallis the morning of the game.
0: Yeah, and Corvallis itself isn't bad either. It's one of
3: the better "quote unquote" college towns in the Pac-12. It's all—it's—it's
0: it's all good weather. in mid, Mid-November up there might be a little iffy, but hey, that's okay. It's all right.
3: <laughs> good football weather up that way, <laughs> and it's the good- only way to see rain anymore since we never have any here.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that is true. That is very true.
3: Good, uh, good football weather up that
0: way, and excellent <laughs> football coverage on the Athletic and the guy who spearheads it all—the fearless leader of the Athletic's college football coverage. Stuart Mandel. Stuart, thanks a bunch. Always appreciate the time. Best of luck, best of health, and we'll talk again soon. Enjoy the rest of the season. Thanks so much for having me. Well, good stuff from Stuart, as usual. I always appreciate uh, his time and his insight. And uh, don't forget, Stuart also hosts the Audible podcast with Bruce Feldman, as those two guys are super dialed into the uh, college football world. And and, and look, on, on this show, we've we've talked about surprise Versus shock before, specifically after after the USC result. And I think a lot of those things still apply this time around a, a, as well. I mean, you can be surprised that Stanford beat Oregon and be surprised that Stanford uh, beat USC earlier this year. But out now it's shock that I've noticed specific specifically from 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 from, from, the, from the from the national college football pundits out there who should probably know better. I mean, you know, have, have folks forgotten that Stanford actually went four and two last year. In relatively impressive fashion, given the circumstances, well, it kind of looks like they did, unfortunately. But, you know, hey, that's that's kind of what happens when when the last time that Stanford played in a football season that that was anywhere close to normal, Cardinal weren't doing so well. And Stanford's first impression this year was not a good one at all. So, you know, there's there is that. Unfortunately, when it comes to the Cardinal not getting respect uh to this point in the season. Now that being said, they beat Arizona State this week. Oh, they'll be in the top twenty-five. No doubt about that. I wouldn't think anyway. And Tanner McKee might already be the top quarterback in the Pac-12, according to Stewart. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Now now Stewart himself said it's not definitive, but the fact that the fact that McKee's already in that conversation says a lot. You could argue that it also says every bit as much about the rest of the conference as it does about Tanner. But hey, still it, it's a conversation that I'm sure you'd still rather be happening right now. Right? No doubt. Jaden Daniels is in that conversation as we turn our full focus for the remainder of the show on a Friday night down in the desert, Stanford versus Arizona state. And Daniels is thrown for almost a hundred, 1100 yards and run for nearly 300 more this season. A-State, they do much of their scoring on the ground, so Daniels has only tossed four touchdowns versus three interceptions, two of them against BYU. I find that that ratio rather interesting. And a lot of folks like comparing Jaden Daniels with Dorian Thompson-Robinson, DTR, down at UCLA. Is David Shaw one of them?
1: DTR, I don't want to disrespect that guy. Man, that guy is a headache. Um, he makes big-time throws. He puts the ball in tight windows. And then he's a dog road roadrunner when he takes off. He just can't catch him. And he laughs at you as he runs by your guys. You know, it's, it's very disheartening. Um, so I don't want to disrespect him. Jaden Daniels, probably the, maybe the better passer, pure passer of the two. But, man, he can run as well. And he's athletic. Um, I think both guys are, are going to have a, a nice future in that paid league, um, hopefully sooner than later. Um, they need to get out of our conference. Uh, but Jaden Daniels uh, is is more of the prototypical tall, long, quick release, strong arm, accurate. Um, that is uh, is 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 difficult, difficult get to get down, difficult to sack. Um, and he's so he's so tall. He sees over uh, your guys. So um, the big big challenge for us.
0: That's David Shaw's comparison of uh, DTR. And Jaden Daniels, and he'll, he'll, he'll throw, those, once those dudes get drafted, uh, I'm sure that uh, Shaw will, will certainly throw parties for each of those respective young men and say, goodbye, get out of here. I'm tired of having to deal with you. Now, we can widen the scope a little bit because it certainly seems like Stanford's um, last three opponents, including this upcoming one, uh, UCLA, Oregon, and Arizona State, all have some similarities between them offensively, I mean it it kind of seems that way with how they operate. Maybe some you know, obviously there, there there are some differences and some nuances, but but overall the way that that these three teams like to try to score and move the ball seem to be relatively similar. I asked Stanford outside linebacker Jordan Fox to compare the Bruins, the Ducks, and the Sun Devil.
1: Definitely well powered, high offenses, um, great quarterbacks on all three teams. Um a good strong offensive line that work well together um and can make explosive plays at any time, you know, um, can have that 70, 75 yard play, um, can have a quarterback escape with their legs. So three different teams, three different um game plans uh that we knew going into it. So and a big stretch for our, our team um with the three games of going against them. So a big challenge in our schedule, but definitely more important about us and just how we're playing and the football that we need to play.
0: That's Jordan Fox. And against uh, the Bruins and the Ducks, the Stanford defense made big plays and they played very well for stretches, especially when DTR and Oregon quarterback Anthony Brown tried to throw the ball. Will the Arizona State offensive brain trust uh, be a bit more committed uh, to the ground game this week, we'll see. We'll see. But Stanford made some big plays, played very well for stretches against those two opponents. Stanford also gave up big plays. Uh, that that 75-yard touchdown pass that put up the Bruins for good, and the 66-yard catch and run for Oregon that set the fourth quarter go-ahead score for the Ducks. So they gave up big plays and a bunch of little ones against the Bruins and the Ducks as well. And Arizona State compounded you know, Rashad Wyatt has has eight rushing touchdowns already this year. And much of the story of this game is going to be told around whether Stanford can get a much more consistent effort defensively. They'll they'll make some big plays here or there, but a big play here or there isn't going to be enough against Arizona State. It wasn't against UCLA. It almost wasn't against Oregon. Things to know on the opposite side of the ball, uh, Sun Devils with a veteran secondary that forces a lot of coverage sacks coming into the week. Arizona State's uh, Sports Information Department putting out this stat, uh, 20 coverage sacks in which uh, the quarterback holds on to the ball for for 3.0 seconds or more. I love all these different statistics that have popped up in football over the last 50, 20 years. But but still, some of these numbers actually do tell a bit of a story. And those 20 coverage sacks tied for third in all of college football entering this week. Uh, who else is Arizona State tied with in that category? Oh, some some dudes named the Alabama Crimson Tide. Eh, eh, whatever. But they force a lot of coverage sacks. So think back to Stanford's offensive struggles in the second half against Oregon and the first half against UCLA. Bruins change up their coverages, right? And, and they threw things at McKee that, he may not have seen before. And the Ducks tightened up their coverage in the second half and didn't give McKee any options and, and almost ground ground that Stanford offense to a complete halt in the second half. Well, until that, that final drive, anyway. So the secondary, certainly with coverage skills, it seems. But what stands out to David Shaw about the Arizona State defense is those dudes up
1: front. They're big. they're front seven they're big they're physical and they go forward right they go right at you Um, it's not they're not dancing around they're not trying to get cute they're trying to be physical they're trying to constrict uh, the pocket on the quarterback Um, they're trying to constrict the running lanes Um, they're very physical Um, they don't give up a lot of plays they're not out of position you know you don't see a lot of wide open people Um, they're they're very well coordinated very sound but you know, on top of that, they're just physical, physically imposing. Um, they got really good defensive backs. They get their hands on a lot of passes, um, a lot of single high, a lot of man coverage, um, and they 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 do it well. As
0: David Shaw, the Arizona State defense, so put it together, and 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 what have we got? Well, you know, we've got a quick and active and physical Arizona State defense. Does that mean we potentially see more misdirection and motion? Before the snap from the Stanford offense, we've talked about this uh early, and we saw a teeny weeny bit of it against Oregon as far as misdirection and motion um, are concerned. We know those things are in the playbook, and one of the one of the best things you can do as an offensive scheme and as an offensive game plan is use a defense's strengths and turn them against them. So, can Stanford use perhaps misdirection and motion and perhaps use Arizona State's aggressiveness on defense and, and turn it against them, get them out of position, and perhaps make big plays? That'd be nice. We'll see. And with Josh Cardi out, and with either Ryan Sanborn or Emmett Kenny in, certainly Sanborn, I would imagine, would be. Taking the, uh, the kick, taking the kickoff duties at the very least. Place kicking? We'll see. But special teams, which has done well in some departments this year and has struggled in some others as UCLA and Oregon were at its best when Stanford practically gave them short fields via the return game or via shanked punts. Special teams takes an even bigger precedence on the road. It's Unfortunately, you know, it's been a department that that Stanford has performed very well in over the years and in some in some cases has excelled in over the years. Pete Alamar is is fantastic and one of the very best in the business, the Stanford uh, special teams coordinator. But special teams is definitely going to take even more importance, I believe, this week against Arizona State with Josh Cardi out. Cardi with the, with the super booming leg. What was it that 54-yarder that he tried against UCLA at the end of the first half? That clanged the upright about maybe eight feet from the top. <laughs> that sucker would have been good from at least maybe 64, 65 or so. Maybe Justin Tucker territory. But that will certainly bear watching. And above all else, Stanford's got to find a way to come out of this game as healthy as it possibly can. You know, guys are already banged up after that result against Oregon. We knew they would be. And they are. But Stanford, as it gets ready for the second half of the season, we'll be, be six games into this one after this one's done. Can you believe it? And then Washington State up on the Palouse next weekend. The TreeCast will be there, by the way. Then the bye week, and then, and then the uh, rest of the back half of the Cardinals' uh, season. Boy, Stanford needs to stay as healthy as in this one, as it possibly can. Your keys, your thoughts, they are always welcome on Twitter, specifically. Hashtag TreeCast, if you'd like me to see them, hashtag TreeCast is the best way to ensure uh, that I see what you got, what you're thinking, what uh, what's on your mind about Stanford football and uh, anything else Cardinal athletics related. It's been fun so far this year. And looking forward to... Coming back at you after this result, we will likely come your way on Saturday at some point, likely in the afternoon as our posting schedule a little bit off, thanks to the uh, short week as we normally come at you on Thursdays and Sundays. But uh, I would think as of right now, as I say this anyway, on Wednesday afternoon, uh, that the uh, next episode uh, recapping, reviewing, breaking down and analyzing things as only we can here on the TreeCast will come your way on Saturday afternoon. So make some time, walk off some time, and join us for it, will you? Special thanks to our special guests, Stanford left tackle Walter Rouse and Stuart Mandel, the editor-in-chief of the Athletics College of Football Coverage. Of course, the biggest thanks goes out to you for checking us out and being a part of the show. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane, back the pack, and back the VAC. Talk to you next time. Thanks for being with us here on the Treecast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus,